Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. Hey, Joel, do you want to talk about the most exciting thing there is to talk about in software development? Always. Let's talk a little bit about unit testing. <laughs> Depends on who you are. Some people are thinking like, oh, this is really exciting. We get to talk about um, unit testing. And their name is Aaron. Um, and then everyone else <laughs> is probably like, oh, not not, not this topic. Um, but I thought we'd bring it up because I think there's some interesting things that we ran into uh, over our careers that uh, we found that unit testing has really saved our bacon. So the first thing I kind of want to set expectations is is why do we why do we even unit test? So one of the reasons why I unit test is, and I joke about this a lot, is so I can go to sleep at night. When you're deploying software and you have a number of of tests that you know cover all the different paths through your software and and they all pass, it's much less stressful of a deploy because you know that uh, everything I've planned for is going to happen probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's much, much easier to push that out there. Another reason that I do unit testing, it's actually sometimes faster and quicker to run your code through a little bit of a unit test than it is um, as you're developing it, than it is to load something in the UI. Think about like a, uh, like a, you might have a screen where you have to fill in a bunch of different um, choices. So I, I want to have this on my pizza. I want that on my pizza. I want to add some breadsticks. And you go, to, you go to check out. And then as you're checking out, you process your Stripe connection or whatever. There's a lot to do whenever you uh, have to do that. You have to like check this all. You have to refresh a screen. You have to wait for this, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. If you write a unit test, maybe you're kind of testing out the different ways that you can call Stripe. You can probably just pass in the data that you would have gotten from the user after it's sure. been quote validated yeah. um, and, and uh, run that that uh, that test over and over to see that your code is actually doing what it, what it needs to. What kind of value do you find in unit testing? I agree with both those points. Um, I will build maybe a little bit on the first one because you kind of were talking about confidence that it works the way you think it does. Yeah. But I would say it's also confidence that it will forever continue to work the way you think it does or the way it does right now. So whether you later change some of your own code or you update a library or you update the version of Laravel or any any number of different things, those tests will still make me feel confident. Like, yes, mm -hmm. at least I didn't break that other thing seemingly four steps removed from what I changed, but it actually could have broken it, you know, and, and having right. tests that catch that stuff periodically reminds me, yes, this is, this is a big reason I invest time in doing it because it has caught things that I would not have expected. Well, I think you make a good point there too, because I'm going to ask everyone who's written code that has never had a bug in it to raise their hand <laughs> Sure, and, and can't seem, see any hands here. The issue is we sort of have an implied trust in the packages we bring in that they're going to be bug free, but mm -hmm. you can't guarantee that, you know? Yeah. So if you're going to update like a minor version or a patch version, it's really nice that you can do that. You can keep current. Maybe they're, they patch the security hole. You want to update those, but then you can run all your tests, all the different checkout types <laughs> for your pizza, all the different types mm -hmm. of pizza, all, you know, all of that in order to make sure that they're changing someone else's code that you've not had a chance to audit probably. Uh, is not going to uh, cause an issue in your application. Because, I mean, that's the hard thing to explain to the boss too, right? Or to the client mm -hmm. is, um, yeah. well, I, I updated someone else's code in my project. 
and now your product doesn't work and right. not really my fault. Yeah, no, yeah that does not go fault. over very well. <laughs> yeah, so the the value, I think we can agree on the value and maybe even for somebody that hasn't tested yet, they can conceptually agree with the value if right. they, even if they haven't experienced it yet. But uh, when it gets down to writing the tests, what, how do you how do you tackle those? Like, wh- what's your approach to what sorts of tests do you write? What sorts of things do you cover? What's your strategy? Yeah, yeah, I think there's there. I mean, that's a huge topic, and maybe we'll talk about it in some other podcast too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can just focus on on one that uh, I think is particularly interesting is when we do like a feature test or we're testing user input, mm-hmm. and we're testing the the. Uh, the effects and the output of that. So the idea of a, like a some sort of feature test or endpoint test or however you want to call it is not necessarily we're testing the browser. We're, we're testing that we're going to send some data in or interact with the product in a certain way. So we send that data in and then we don't really care what happened. We just care that uh, or we don't care how it happened. We care what happened. Right. right? Um, and so we'll test maybe the return of that true or false or some JSON or whatever. Um, and we also want to test, you know, did this model get created? Did it pick the right model in my query? You know, all these different things by kind of validating the, the, the before and after state a little bit. So I think, you know, if you're going to do any sort of um, testing, just having like that one endpoint to, you know, to, you know, input output sort of test is good. And I, I think the other thing with that is it kind of opens up, this uh, ability to test all the silly things that users might do. <laughs> Never. You mean users, they always have the exact same idea you do when you built the form and they would always use it the same way. There, there would never be right. somebody making a mistake or just like typing a book into a field just to see what happens. Yeah. Or like just holding down the keyboard by accident, you know, <laughs> so suddenly you're, 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 filling out a form and then something happens and you slam your hand down and type in 257 A's mm-hmm. into the field and then hit submit. Your cat lays I mean, down that, on the keyboard. That, that's probably a better example. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a cat, I mean, right, they do right. love sitting on keyboards. Where did this cat come from? <laughs> Why is it in my house? <laughs> that's a bigger question. Yeah. Um, so the, the first sort of test you were mentioning, like I've heard some people refer to that as like the happy path. Like if everything goes right, yep. here's what it should do. And here there's variations on the happy path. Like if they have this permission or they're this type of user, right. different things happen, kind of covering all those paths. And then the next thing you started talking about is sort of like the the unhappy path where, where things are unexpected and you want to make sure they're ha- handled in, in a sane way. That's a great summary of, of the rambling I just did. <laughs> that's my job that's why i'm here <laughs> no I, I think you're right um the the second one is actually where i spend most of my time so I, I write a happy path and then later on like i said there's a there's a whole discipline on unit testing but i'll write a happy path endpoint test and and then i'll go and i'll unit test those individual components to my heart's content mm-hmm. um but when it comes to like validating user input and output uh i spend most of my time sending in particularly incorrect data because I want to make sure that my application handles all those scenarios properly. Yeah. So for example, um, if, if I have uh, an email address field or whatever, I'm going to definitely have a test where the email address is fine. I'm going to have one where it's, you know, invalid format. I'm going to have one where it's just not there at all. 
I'm going to have one where maybe it's a duplicate of someone else's email address. You know, maybe yeah. I, I don't allow, you know, I want unique. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have all these different tests that test all these different scenarios. Um, and I might even have a test um, that sends in an email address that is a thousand characters long. And what happens then? Yeah. And so we've worked together. I've seen how these test suites come together and you, you'll bunch things together because somebody might listen to this and like, well, my my form has 30 fields and right. that sounds like thousands of tests. But generally you have like one set of tests for validation of length and another for validation right. of required. And so it's, it's not that <laughs> it, it sounds worse than it is. It's not that hard to write. How would right. you um, how would you respond Somebody might might be thinking, well, aren't you testing the framework then? Like, aren't aren't you testing that Laravel is doing the validation the way it should? Or or how do you look at that? Because I know we agree on this, but I want to I want to hear you explain <laughs> it because I'm sure other people are maybe having this thought. Right. Well, I, I think there are ways to test validation that are testing Laravel, and that's mm-hmm. not what I'm talking about. You know, right. like I've I've passed in these values into my form request. Now, when I call rules on that form request, does it return the same values? That is what Laravel is supposed to do. This endpoint is testing that whatever you have typed in, in the format that is a valid Laravel syntax, is actually doing what you think it is. Mm -hmm. So there are many, many, many times when I've typed in something that after reading the docs, I said, oh, this should do this thing. Um, It should, you know, limit uh, uh, something a certain way. And when I run, you know, when I go on the user interface, it looks like it's working fine. And when I run unit tests and I put some different information in there, I find Laravel is doing exactly what I told (laughs) it to do. Turns out I told it to do the wrong thing. Yeah. And so it's not about testing whether Laravel works or not. Laravel does. It has tons of tests and tons of people using it. It's working great. It's about the way you configured that. And a lot of times you have to understand that it is okay to test certain configuration if that configuration is used for your business process. Yeah, some of those validation rules, like like maybe you could make the argument a length validation, kind of hard to mess that up, right? Like implementing it. But there's others that are like required if, and it's got to be in, and you can write your own custom rules. And so like, why wouldn't you test that logic, it's it's essential business logic, just because it happens to be implemented um, using bits and pieces of the framework, like it still seems like a valuable thing to test. Well, I'll give you an example of, of where you're almost right, but okay. it's technically you, you could have, you could have a, a bit of a challenge. Imagine a scenario where uh, you're trying to validate an, an incoming number mm-hmm. um, and uh, it is, um, you need a maximum of 10. So you go max colon 10 and you said, well, that's a really easy thing not to mess (laughs) up. Yep. But, but what if someone sends in um, zero X zero zero one zero, which is actually not correct. That's a 10th. But I mean, if they send in like an octal formatting or whatever, that rule will say, uh, yes, it's good to go. And really it wasn't. So it's, it's, again, it's more about the combinations of different things you put in there as well. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's easy to type max 10, but that, 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 that <laughs> works for both strings and numbers and arrays and whatever. So yeah. that's not as easy. No, no. And so um, sometimes with these length or, or range validators, I, I ran into a particularly weird issue recently because I'll, I'll, like you, I will test, uh, like, what happens if I type in something that's too long? Like, this field mm-hmm. is supposed to be 255 characters. So what happens if I throw in 256? Like, will it give me the message I expect? 
Well, I had another one where I did a really boneheaded thing and I set the validation to a thousand and I had like everything in the UI proper for a thousand. But then when I wrote the migration, for some reason, I didn't set the length and it defaulted to 255. So I'd actually encountered a bug in production where somebody tried to type in 500 characters like they should have been able to, and it failed. It blew up because it couldn't fit it in the database. So um, how would you tackle something like that? I, I know what oh, I did. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I know what I did. Yeah. I, I, know I, 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 I did. hope so. <laughs> I think that's that's part of the the, the point I'm trying to make is, is we want to validate what are what are sometimes referred to as, as bounds or yeah. sanity bounds and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and so, where do we retrieve those bounds from? You can get those those the bounds from two different locations. One is business rules, and so does our business allow this? For example, um, will a business ever sell something that's a million dollars? If not, maybe don't let someone charge a million dollars because if <laughs> yes. they are, maybe there's something go going wrong. There's some sort of program. Yeah. So you can put a, a bounds on that for your business. The second thing is more like you mentioned, the other, mm -hmm. the other bound binding thing is uh, the technology we're using to persist or to communicate or whatever. Um, if the database only allows 255 characters, well, then the user should only be allowed to send in those 255 characters, even though the business rules says it could be unlimited. It's when you combine those two, that's kind of how you start to develop these different uh, validation things. Yeah. Same thing with when you're working with a, a, like a third-party API too. They might say, uh, we have a limitation of 16 characters for city name or something crazy like that. Um, you need to validate your user's information on that then because I'd rather have them make the decision of how to shorten the name in my user interface than me just chop it off randomly. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, and it's a balancing act. Like You could drive yourself nuts trying to think of every single possible way mm -hmm. something could go wrong. But uh, in this particular case, I, I encountered it in production. I don't, I'm not going to necessarily write a test every time that I can fill in up to the exact amount that I'm expecting. But but maybe if I deviate from the, the normal 255, like the default in a migration, maybe I will write a test for that. I did in this case, because I like to always write a a test, a failing test when there's a bug in production and then then watch it pass. Mm. But yeah, it's it's uh it's a little bit of an art, not so much a science to figure out where to draw that line. And it might might be different for different teams and different projects too. Mm -hmm. My one concluding thought is that um, your earlier illustrations talked about pizza and I think I'm gonna get pizza tonight. Do you ever find that there are things that you do still that have proven that you're just going to be a kid forever or that you've never grown up. Maybe give me like, an example. <laughs> like, like I cannot help it. I, I am now in my late thirties and whenever I receive a card, I still look for money in it. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, like, it, and I'm, I, I know I shouldn't be expecting any. And then when I, when I open it and there is none, I'm not upset, but, <laughs> There could have been bit. some money in there. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, there's other things that, uh, again, this is not overly serious, but it just it goes through my mind just a tiny little bit is uh, when I go in the dark in the bathroom, I I kind of feel like there might be uh, <laughs> like a, a dinosaur in the shower okay. you know, behind the thing. I mean, I know there's not. Yeah, but I I think that has to be from like you know being at a certain age and watching Jurassic Park. I'm like, there's a, definitely a Velociraptor um, in, in the shower. 
obviously. You you might um, be confusing movies because I don't think there was a shower scene in Jurassic Park, but <laughs> but um I get your point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what about you? Are there any things that you do that you're like, mm, still a child? I don't know if this is a childish thing, but there are definite habits I have that one of the advantages of being married is that your wife will call these things out. <laughs> so for <Advantage>. example, <laughs> so for example, it is literally impossible for me to go put gas in the car and like not go in the store and buy something like to eat. So that really? is, yeah, that's like, <laughs> I, I, I've even gone just to get gas, like for the lawnmower, like I'm in the middle of mowing the grass and I run out of gas and I go get it and I'll come back and I'll have a soda. And she's like, you went into the <laughs> gas station, didn't you? <laughs> that's a measurement of, of if, if you, uh, were incredibly poor growing up or not like for me go to the gas station and i'll be looking and looking i'm like can i get some candy and dad's like no you can that not is where go it in started because because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna i don't know rot all your teeth out but like as a kid whenever you went someplace and you knew like inside that building was candy and soda like you wanted <laughs> that always and now it's like right. i'm an adult who's gonna stop me so that's that's yeah. one thing that occurred otherwise yeah no I can't think of any specific fears. I, I have this odd fear of sunflowers. Um, not like, not, let me clarify. Not like they're going to get me or something. <laughs> but they're super, they're just super ominous looking to me. And I think it's like, as a kid, I kind of looked down at you. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, my family grew a giant sunflower in our garden this year. So I had like post-traumatic stress all summer. But that's probably the closest I could think to the examples you cited. I could I could air all sorts of other weird things about me, but I'll I'll stop there. Do you need a little guidance on how to set up your test suite and what to test? We can help. Contact us for a free consultation on our website, nocompromises.io.